welcome to another episode of the Panka Talks podcast. To speak more on B2C marketing on this episode, we have a very experienced guest who is a professor at Darden School of Business. She teaches marketing there and currently she wrote a book on positioning for advantage in which she mentioned a lot more on the positioning how it uh, affects the marketing and how it helps brand to position in in the marketing in their market besides writing many article in forbes and uh, as a former general manager and a cmo she conducts research that focuses on helping the c suit better understand develop and leverage marketing capability let's start with the podcast and um, very very warm welcome to you dr kim all right thank you thank you dr kim once again for coming over on our show the panka talks podcast i sincerely appreciate uh, how about there in darden i mean how the situation looks like in terms of coronavirus there well we've been pretty fortunate about 99% actually of the community at darden business school at the university of virginia have been vaccinated So right now as you know covid cases are tending to go up and and we have different hot spots in the United States but but knock on wood right now we're doing okay in Charlottesville Virginia. Mhm okay perfect perfect absolutely hopefully you know situation gets better and better day day, day by day. Um so Dr Kim uh, on the podcast side while while before we start um I want to keep I want to ask you since you have you know uh, written a book as a marketing professor from Darden University. Um so what is this book about uh, positioning for advantage if you can you know just let us know about to our listeners. Yeah, the, you know, the the book is really about what I call positional advantage. And what that means are, you know, one of the goals that businesses should have is to try to find a position in the marketplace that is compelling for the consumer and is differentiated relative to other competitors, and they want to do it in a way that gives their company advantage. This is a way to achieve competitive advantage. So the book actually is about how you do that. I one of the things that's been missing in marketing as an academic are what we call tools. So if you go to other other classes, if you go to take a finance class or a decision sciences class, people learn how to program in R or they'll they'll learn about equations and they'll learn tools that they can apply. Marketing tends to teach theory. The theory of first mover advantage or the theory of creating a differentiated positioning but the gap is how to actually do that. And so students actually learn how to do marketing at the company that they go to and very few companies actually have a really strong marketing competency. So mm-hmm. this book was really designed to help fill what I call the theory doing gap, which is it's a each chapter is a different tool on how you actually can apply marketing to achieve positional advantage. So it's kind of this quasi um it's kind of a bit of a hybrid book between a managerial book and an academic book it, it's not vocabulary heavy it's very practical like a managerial book but it's not just anecdotes it's actually tools that you learn to use to try to achieve positional advantage wonderful exciting um has the book been released to the public uh, dr kim it's just been released yep it is available now 
Okay, that's wonderful. Because you know, here in India, I was just trying over on 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 Amazon. It says that you know it's currently unavailable. So I was a bit exciting, you know, to go through uh, the book because me come from marketing background. I'm a bit you know marketing enthusiast, although from B two B side. But I keep on catching you know in the B two C side as well what's happening. So that made me you know a bit interested. So uh, again, I want to ask what prompted you to write this book, uh, Doctor Doctor Kim. So what's interesting is two things. I had to design a new a new class at Darden. Darden has been rated the number one teaching experience in in the United States uh, for like nine years in a row. So we're we're well known for a great teaching experience. And so I had to create a new to the world class. And as I started looking around, I wanted to cre- I wanted to do what marketers do. I wanted to find a unique space. something that nobody else had created something that was very valuable to the consumer our students and as i started doing research i talked to students i talked to recruiters i talked to the president of the american marketing association and everybody kept saying that students need to learn how to do marketing they need to learn how to apply theory to practical real world problems and so that prompted me to start saying well how can i develop tools for students to use so they can practice it before they go to work as i started writing all my own material the head of darden publishing said can this would be a terrific book and so from there i just you know continued to develop it it took me about 5 years to develop it wasn't fast uh but it's it you know but now like i mentioned it just came out okay that's wonderful can you just uh, provide an example of positional advantage i mean what exactly is it yeah so positional advantage if you think about it this way is is you want to identify what really matters to your target consumers so something that that is very valuable to them ideally the most valuable attribute that they're looking for and and then you want to find something that's different relative to your, your competitors All right, so I'll give you and then by the way you want to execute it better than anybody else. So you can have an positional advantage, you have to then go implement. It. So an example in the United States would be Walmart. Walmart used to, you know, used to be this dominating force, but if you go back to the 1980s and 90s it wasn't. There were a number of mass retailers that were all positioned on low prices. Over time yes. though, over time Walmart became the best at achieving it. Their prices were lower. And so in the minds and hearts of consumers, Walmart had achieved positional advantage on the most important thing that consumers were looking for out of a mass discounter, which was low prices. So they did the best at it. They owned that attribute. What happened is companies like Zare went out, you know, went bankrupt. Companies like Venture gone. Target had to reposition themselves to try to compete because they lost the low price positioning. They repositioned themselves into kind of this designer chic low, you know, affordable designer chic territory. And so then for a while, Walmart had this very strong position. What happened then? It was disrupted because Amazon identified a not the consumers didn't just want low prices, they also wanted big assortment conveniently delivered they wanted mm-hmm. a different type of convenience and so then amazon positioned themselves differently through convenience mass assortment and low prices 
And, and all of a sudden, they started kind of attacking, if you will, the Walmart positioning. And so you see over time, over 30, 40 years, how, you know, at one point, Walmart had this dominant positioning, but there were other attributes that consumers needed and wanted that Walmart wasn't delivering. And that opened the door for an Amazon to come in and challenge them seriously. And now on things like convenience, convenient shipping, convenient returns, you know, Correct. Amazon is the dominant, you know, is the, is the better position brand. So that's kind of a category example. Yes. I mean, off lately, I read an article where um, uh, that that store, you know, Walmart, uh, they are trying to go online and Amazon, they are trying to go offline. They are, you know, building bricks and mortars. So it's, you know, attacking in each other's space. So, yes, absolutely. And uh, Dr. Kim, when you say positioning, I mean, it makes me um, excited to ask you that it, is, it, is it a part of uh, the brand statement that we have, you know, the mission and vision statements. So we have to be very deep and very, very clear when we are, you know, uh, having a go-to-market strategy, because as an example, you mentioned, you know, Walmart having, you know, the advantage in terms of pricing only. Correct. So they have their mission to sell, sell, sell the, the, the cheapest to, to their uh, consumers. So, is, I mean, the positioning, is, is it part of brand statement or the vision or mission statement to say so? That's actually a really good question. The, the way that I would think about it is positioning. So, so I positioning actually leads into the brand design. So the positioning choice kind of identifies the territory that you want to win on a map. So think of it this way. Think about, look, uh, this is going to sound hopefully not too crass, but I think sometimes about, I work with military folks. And mm -hmm. if you think about war positioning, if you have a map, how do I identify the optimal territory on the map that I want to own? Well, then your strategy and plan follow that. Well, how am I going to go own that territory? And so if you think about this, you, you can have a strategy map where on, on the map you identify relative to competitors and relative to consumer needs, what the position is that you want to own on that map. And then the next step is how do I design the brand to achieve that position? And, it, and okay. talk about brand design, now we're getting into you know, what's the purpose of the brand? What's the, what's the personality of the brand? What's the proof that they can deliver on this benefit? It's a lot more of the specific architecture around the brand, but the positioning is a choice of where I want to play. Okay. And that made me reminded because, you know, me being a marketing student and a strategy student, can we apply here any strategy tool here? Like, you know, for say, uh, that value chain tool or probably, you know, Porter's five forces. Would you agree? Because, you know, we are designing the positioning, the mission and the vision. So it's really important to have a strategy in mind before we, you know, have a go-to-market strategy to, to for our consumers. So, I mean, would you would you agree if we, you know, built in or add any strategy tool here or just the positioning would be all right to you, Dr. Kim, just a follow up. No, 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 no. Yeah. Positioning is related to corporate strategy, right? Okay. So, so absolutely. So it's not just consumer and competition. It's also looking at your strategic priorities and so forth. But if you're an, if you are a, if you're a brand new company, a brand new startup, yes. then one of, the, one of the things you want to figure out very quickly 
is how am I going, where do I want to play? What is the choice of where I want to play? And, and that is definitely related to strategy, tactics, implementation, all of that is, is part and parcel. Okay. That's, that's wonderful. So, uh, these days where are the areas you know where companies are struggling so if you can just let, let us know i mean in terms of in your view i mean what what, what the company should be doing rather yeah so you know if, if if you look at most categories um you know and you think about that there's kind of a little bit of a trick here if you look at most categories so if i think about refresh if i if i think about pop and beverages, carbonated beverages. The most, one of the most important attributes that consumers want from that category is refreshment. If you go tell me what brand owns the most important attribute to consumers relative to competitors, then I can tell you, I mean, that that's the brand that has positional advantage, right? And so in beverages, that would be Coke. Coke owns refreshment in the United States and they have the largest market share. If I go to laundry detergent, what's the most important kind of basic need that consumers have from laundry detergent is getting your clothes clean. Who owns that in the United States? Tide. These are brands that have positional advantage. The problem is there's 30 other, 50 other, 100 other, hundreds other brands that don't have positional advantage. So one of the challenges for companies is if you start with a weak positioning, then every dollar that you're spending to activate that positioning is somewhat wasted. And I'll give you an example. At one point in my former life, I was chief marketing officer for a Fortune 500 home builder. And when Mm -hmm. I landed at the company, the first thing I always did is I said, are we positioned to win? You know, I was spending over $100 million on advertising and marketing. And if we have a weak, uncompelling positioning, then we're wasting our money. And so the so the first thing I do is I go and I test the positioning to see, and I, I knew from looking at it that it was uncompelling. I, I just because I'd done so much testing in my prior life, I knew that when I tested it, it was not going to test well. So out of 33 competitors in this space, we tested 28. So we're spending over $100 million on a very weak positioning. And as I explained to the CEO, you know, you're just, you're essentially throwing money away because you're not communicating anything that is compelling, differentiated, giving you advantage in the marketplace relative to competition. And so what we had to do is we had to pivot and we had to reposition the brand. But one of the big issues is weak positioning to begin with one brand has a superior positioning or if you're in like a car industry and you might have different segments and there might be a brand in each of those segments that has better positioning the other brands have weaker positioning and so one thing is is to look at the positioning the strength of it and figure out how you can improve it another issue that 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 companies have is misaligned positioning and execution And I'll give you an example of that. In the U.S., Gillette has a positioning around helping men be the best that they can be. Correct. And a couple years ago, they came out with an ad that was called Toxic Masculinity. And this ad framed men or, 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 or showed men acting in bullish, 
sexist, chauvinistic ways. And so they they kind of, you know, painted a, a picture of men in a very unflattering way. Well, their target happened to be men. There's that ad was a great ad for women. It was not a great ad for men. Because, and this was on the heels of the Me Too thing, the Me Too issue. And so this is a case where if the brand is about helping men be the best that they can be, the brand's positioning should be, is centered on understanding deeply men. What are they feeling? How are they feeling? What are their struggles? And the brand has to be better at understanding and solving those issues better, better than any other brand. Instead, what they did is they, they came out with an ad that painted men in a very unflattering light. What happened? The brand dropped about eight share points over the course of a year because the execution of the positioning was misaligned with the positioning itself. So that's a problem. You want to make sure that the way in which the brand acts is coherent and consistent with its actual positioning. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, how do you how do you how do you think that that company should be doing the right way or, you know, doing uh, doing implementing the right strategy in order to have a better repositioning or, you know, sort of have the positioning so that their consumers have their preferential, uh, you know, brand in their mind. So, I mean, what do you think companies should be doing rather? I mean, the first thing is anchoring on the consumer. So there's big variance in the degree to which companies truly understand their consumer. That example I just gave with Gillette. That's that's a case where the brand had lost touch with the consumer. If they'd done any testing of that ad with their target consumer, they would have seen the reaction. So one, they didn't understand the consumer up front. Two, they didn't test it with consumers. So I'm a big fan of data. We have so much, we have such great tools today, so many great statistical methods that we should be using. Data is our friend in marketing. And so there, so one of the things we can do is understand the consumer more deeply, anchor on their needs and design a positioning that connects to what they, what, you know, what matters to them. Second thing we can do is, is we really need to be testing. So, mm-hmm. you know, I've been called in on a number of different times where the CEO says, here's the story. My CMO just repositioned the brand. And the next question I'll ask is what process did they go through? What data did they show you to prove that this positioning is better than their past positioning and is better than competitors? And every single time the CEO says, there's no data. And so what's happening is CMOs are, are calling on ad agencies that are creative, but they're not strategic per se. And then they ask them to design a strategic positioning And they do it through qualitative research. You can't do that. Positioning is really a bit of a modeling exercise. You don't have to do anything really sophisticated, but you need to test whatever you believe your ideal positioning is relative to your past. Because if it's not beating your past positioning, you don't move. You've got to then test it relative to to other competitors in the marketplace. You need to know that it's the right direction. And in particular, CMOs need to prove this to the C-suite. So, you know, this is not a judgment call. Positioning should not be a judgment call. It really should be a database, empirical kind of, uh, you know, 
process to identify and optimize and demonstrate that, that the position you're choosing is the right one. Okay, rather it should be analytical in, in the sense that, you know, it should be based upon data, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. So, you know, I like when I work with my students, we have a week-long intensive. Uh, we work for Tabasco, for the chief mm-hmm. sales and marketing officer. And the students have to identify a new-to-the-world positioning for a new brand. They have one week. I teach them all the tools, and then they have to deliver it at the end of the week. But over the course of the week, I'm teaching them, you have to iterate, you have to test. You don't know what's going to work. You're not the consumer. And so it's critical that you're constantly coming up with ideas, testing them with consumers, refining the ideas. And when I say testing, I mean quantitatively testing so that you have generalizable insight. Not, I mean, part of this is co-creating through uh, qualitative work, but, but you don't make a decision without the quantitative generalizable data dr kim when you when you when you say testing quantitative testing so how important consumer research research comes in does does that uh, part of quantitative testing or the consumer research is different because consumer research uh, at one, t- one point of time it becomes really really important so i mean how do you correlate these two or these are two the sub part of each other i mean how do you see that consumer research and the testing part I see it as I see the testing as part of consumer research. So okay. the, the really the, the best processes here are the ones where you're deeply connected to the consumer throughout the process. So you're listening to them, you're 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 understanding them at a very deep level. You're writing ideas, you're then going back and testing them with the consumer. You're coming back and you're perfecting them. And when I say sometimes you could be working in sessions where you have a focus group reviewing it and giving you deep insight into into how what you're conceiving is working or not working for them. But then at different points, you come back and then you quantitatively test it with a representative sample of your target to see what their reaction is on paper. And, And over time, you start building the positioning. You may at some point you know, layer in potentially things like pricing. But up front, you're just trying to figure out the general pain point. What is the problem that you're trying to solve for consumers? And and how are you going to do that differently than anybody else? And it's just kind of a general position that you could place on a, you know, like I said, on a map. And how about um, on sustainability, Dr. Kim? Because, you know, these days we are living in ever-changing technology era because technology and, you know, a lot of the things, consumer behavior, consumer taste, especially in B2C brands, you know, these are getting changed at at all-time high, you know, every every now and then it's, be, it's, it's being changed. Tomorrow when we wake up, there could be a different, new, altogether different technology. AI is there, blockchain is there, you know, they are cloud is there analytics is there there's no huge technological changes there so how how do you how do you see the sustainability you know playing their role in terms of shaping the uh, consumer behavior or sort of repositioning the brand because sustainability at one point of time becomes you know really important so how do you how do you see the sustainability part um, with 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 the branding and the positioning when the brand management is there Yeah, I I mean, I think, you know, as technology is changing, the ability to better predict consumers, consumer consumer behavior will improve. AI 
is going to be helpful here. So I think the methods that we use to identify, shape, reposition brands will, will evolve. So the methods are evolving. But I think the importance of identifying a superior position in the marketplace won't change. I think that's, but, but as consumers shift, then brands have to react and reflect that. So, True. you know, once this, this is a, you know, going back to the Walmart, Amazon example, you know, Walmart mm -hmm. was steeped in a kind of pre-internet era uh, method of delivery with the internet with the invention of the internet, then all of a sudden it opened the door for a different way of thinking about shopping. And Walmart didn't see that, Amazon saw that. And so as consumer behavior shifts, you know, conceptually, if Walmart was originally positioned as the low price mass, you know, delivery option, shopping option, if that's their frame of reference, as technology changed, they might have begun thinking about, well, what might that mean through the internet? But they didn't. And that then opened the door to a rival competitor to enter. And so technology will change our ability to test these positions, our ability um, to understand consumers. It will sh shift consumer habits and practices which means that brands then need to be on top of those shifting habits and practices. And so you're right. It's an underpinning of all of this for marketers. Okay. Wonderful. Um, so Dr. Kim, I, I hope, you know, I keep on asking um, so many questions to you as, as, as my student, you know, coming inside to me, but rather I would read your book, you know, the positioning for advantage to know more about marketing positioning and the b2c brand the, the the strategy part and whatnot so but you know as our time allows i mean i sincerely appreciate once again to you know coming over on our show and answering questions in terms of branding and and the b2c part the positioning the strategy i sincerely appreciate once again dr kim on you know coming over on, on the podcast and taking our questions well, thank you so much for inviting me. It's really been an honor to be here with you and to talk mm -hmm. a little bit about this. So I appreciate the invitation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Dr. Kim, once again. And I wish I could attend your class, but you know, these days due to pandemic. So it's someday I just want to attend your class and probably, you know, till then I would read your book, Positioning for Advantage. Yeah, no. <laughs>